and welcome to the VSC Capital Tech and Transitional Energy Podcast on Thursday, October the 12th. Uh, good morning, Phil. Good afternoon, whatever it is. What bloody time is, who knows? Uh, Phil, how are you? Very well, thank you, Andrew. And it is afternoon. It is. Um, good, I'm glad you're well. Now, I've, I've had a terrible week this week. My computer just keeps crashing. Why is it IT support departments can never seem to work out what's wrong with the computer they fiddle around for ages i've been out now for about two days and they never seem to be able to sort the bloody thing out it just drives me insane you know without your computer when you're working life becomes very difficult and stressful oh dear andrew you may have to purchase just a new one and sort it out that way we keep our costs very low at bsa capital for obvious reasons i know um without no, I'm not even going to go down that track, actually, about my, not our peer group. But we are very careful. These are very tough markets still. Every day we see another takeover as the market shrinks. Um, sadly, we're seeing more and more profit warnings coming out. Liquidity is getting tighter and tighter. I, I don't know where it all ends up. you know. I, I, and then, you know, I think we were all sort of feeling, well, the Ukraine war, you know, yes, it's we're not happy about it. It's dragging on. But slowly, people were sort of factoring into their risk profile. You know, we all woke up last Saturday and, oh, no, it's going to be more risk off. You know, I'm not going to get into a political or a religious debate about the whole situation in the Middle East. But it really just is another reason not to invest in equities. Uh, you know, and I was having a chat with someone this week about, you know, private equity versus equities. And, you know, it goes... Private equity gets all the tax breaks and the tax credits and everything. Equities get none, basically. Um, you know, private equity is basically regulation-free. Equity is regulation top-heavy. Um, private equity, you, you know, you can go and talk to your shareholders about openly. You can talk to them months in advance if you need a fundraiser site and get it all sorted out. Equities, you're not allowed to talk to your shareholders at all. It, 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 the, the playing field is so unlevel between private equity and quoted equities. I really do think if we carry on like this in a couple of years' time, there just won't be stock markets left. And that is not a good thing. It really isn't healthy. Um, I've said it before, but I'll say it again. There you go. Phil, you got anything you want to uh, rant and rave about? No. I share that, but I do share the sentiment on the, you know, the tax treatment, the regulation, the accountability... Yeah, absolutely right. Um, and it, no, it isn't an even playing field. And, and ultimately, we do, you know, I think general investors lose out on, on opportunity because of the structures. Anyway, there we, there we are. So, Talking of tax stream, you told me an amazing story just now about poor old Bernie Eccleston. Well, well yes, age 92. Um, he's, I think he was in the Times, just appeared in court. Uh, this is to do with a, with a, a, a trust fund that he allegedly didn't declare, but he is paying a settlement of uh, £650 million. Pounds. That is a civil settlement. Is a lot of money, isn't it? Well, it is a staggering amount of money, but I'm sure it'll pay for lots of police and nurses, but my word. Yep. Now, I'll tell you, actually, I'll tell you a couple of things. Might as well I'll tell you a couple of things before we get going into the results. Uh, I have never heard of Peter... Uh, Zihan before, um, but somebody said I should read a book of his. Um, so I have actually downloaded the book. Um, I haven't, I haven't read it yet. I, actually, I won't ever read it. I will listen to it. 
because uh, that's how I tend to listen to books. But it's called The End of the World is Just the Beginning. Uh, it's actually 16 hours long, so it's a pretty long book. But everyone says that I will love it. But then I did listen to one of his podcasts this morning. Uh, it's one of his latest, which is The End of Germany as a Modern Economy. Uh, and actually, everything he says in that podcast, it's only 11 minutes long, is pretty much what I'm saying, actually. So clearly, we're in agreement. And clearly, it's somebody that a lot of people listen to. He has an awful lot of followers, etc. Actually, they, they can all just follow me instead. Anyway, that's a slight red herring. The other thing that I did do this week, I, 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 I don't often read research. I'll be absolutely honest. It's not really my cup of tea. Um, but I did read a piece of research or, or an extract of it from a newspaper uh, from Goldman Sachs on uh, the way lithium-ion batteries are going, uh, which I thought was very interesting. I don't know if you saw that, Phil. I sent it to you, Andrew, and it's on the Daily Telegraph. There you go. I gave you a chance to show yourself <laughs> that, didn't you? Actually, you did, but funny enough, a lot of other people uh, also sent it to me on time oh, ago. Look at it. Uh, for the simple reason, they said, actually, this is a lot of things you're, you're saying, Andrew. So actually, Goldman Sachs is also agreeing with me. It sounds like everyone's coming around to my thinking. Uh, but I mean, one of the key parts of this, as well as the fact that there is um, this sort of what I describe as uh, there's the Chinese way going forward, where they're doing the sort of the cheap and cheerful. Um, and there's the more sort of uh, Korean, Taiwan, American way forward, which is the slightly uh, more expensive, more complex, but probably better form of uh, battery. But what they were really also saying is that actually um, lithium prices and lithium batteries are just going to keep getting cheaper and cheaper and cheaper. And all these people who think that lithium is the new gold and therefore you've got to invest in it, don't. The lithium is not a one-way bet. It's actually there's plenty of lithium around. And they were pointing out that with new methods of DLE, that's direct lithium extraction, um, actually it's the equivalent of you know the, the oil and gas industry finding fracking. It will mean that lithium is so easy to produce. Lithium is not the issue when it comes to the cost of batteries at all. Um, now, the cost of batteries also are just going to get cheaper and cheaper and cheaper, which is why batteries will eventually become uh, the key to the whole SWB, solar wind batteries, uh, and all of our energy needs. But it was they also, then, they also then went on to talk about the fact that Europe is way behind the curve of, of all these other people, uh, and that basically... At the end of the day, the Chinese are going to dump their EVs into Europe. And this is another reason why Germany has got so many problems. It's going to lose out on the automotive industry. Um, but it's also then saying that, you know, it's all about economics. The economics are coming down so rapidly that actually don't worry about all these net zero things being cancelled. By the time we get to 2030, you know, everyone will be driving EVs. Uh, I don't, you know, I happen to think it's true. But that was a Goldman's report, as you say. It was in the Telegraph. You did send it to me, Phil. I will recognise that, but so did a few other people. Uh, anyway, there you go. Um, that's a little bit of a sort of a intro thought, so to speak. Um, but it's still basically pretty horrible out there. Um, what do we got? Let's get on to results. I'll maybe pick up on a few things then too. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Notes. Um, well, just on, we can't leave the EV story on loan without the uh, Luton Airport car park fire. Appears to have been a hybrid. Range Rover Evoque. I'm still looking into that, but hopefully nothing to do with the batteries there. Anyway. Oh, so it was a hybrid, so it did have batteries in it. Because I mean, a lot of people were trying to claim it was a diesel, and you know, yeah. don't. I know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a, well, the press articles have been reading today this morning, so it's a hybrid. So I guess we've got to wait until it's all confirmed. But it was, yeah, it was devastating. I mean, why did it be? Because it was a fire was six years ago in Liverpool. 
at the Echo Arena, although over a thousand cars were damaged. Yeah, hey, hey. Well, it's part a few people's holiday plans anyway. It did, it did that all right. Um, right, so yes, Andrew, on to, on to results. And it has been a bit of a mixed bag, as you say. There have been a few, uh, a few profits warnings, but also some, uh, some positive news as well. I suppose I'll get on to, I mean, one that I, you know, certainly followed for a long, long time and, and do like is Oxford Instruments. Uh, OXIG is a ticker, they had a half year trading update. Um, and they are it's an international provider of, of scientific instrumentation uh, technologies, and these are used in research labs, academic institutions across the globe, and in industry uh, for discovering new you know new materials, new drugs, battery um, semiconductors. Um, but they had a half year trading update. Uh, their revenue, they said, was ahead of the first half. Uh, their order intake was slightly behind the prior period, but they had a strong, strong prior period. Uh, but they said that um, they'd seen currency headwinds, that's exchange rates going against them, but continued investment in infrastructure operating, operational capability and capacity, i.e. their internal investment, means that their adjusted operating profit for the first six months will be broadly in line with last year. So uh, not making uh, that wasn't making progress, but yeah. Uh, but they also said their 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 full year trading anticipated towards the lower end of expectations. Right. Yep. Yep. They did. So, so I'm afraid it's not good. A bit disappointing from them, I have to say. Um, on the just flipping on to software, I saw results from uh, first of all, Dark Trace of the trading update. Yeah, they were all right. Yeah, that looked really, really good actually. Um, I mean, but again, they're making changes internally in their, you know, in their, in their marketing organisation within this quarter. It's a quarterly trading update. They've flagged that previously. Uh, that's had its had its had its near, very near term, little short term impact. But overall, um, very good sales growth, uh, confirming expectations for the year over year revenue growth of twenty two percent to twenty three and a half percent, and were very credible. Uh, and EBITDA margins are 17% to 19% and free cash flow, strong free cash flow as well. So can't fault that. Uh, that looked very good. Um, smaller software one, Andrew, that I saw this was Netcore. Uh, Net NET is a ticker. And their, um, yeah, their software is used for, for companies uh, to help them. It's all about customer interface and automated customer interface, dare I say. I mean, anything that makes that more efficient and user-friendly, uh, the better. Um, so they help companies to build their own chatbots, but also sales management platforms and software to analyze sales data. Uh, and they've got customers across, you know, it's healthcare and government and enterprises, including the banks. Um, and they'd seen, this was full-year revenue, uh, full-year earnings to June. Uh, revenues up by 18%. Uh, within that cloud services that they're trying to drive, that was up by 55%. Overall revenue up to 30, was up to 36 million. Uh, dropped down to an EBITDA growth of 6.4 to 8 million. Uh, and they ended up with uh, group cash at period end of uh, 24.8 million pounds versus 17.6 million previously. So good, good strong performance from Netcore. And that's been, yeah, that's continuing. It was all last year as well for Netcore. So uh, that was very good overall. And what else stood out? Quartix, uh, Cambridge based. Telematics company, QTX is the ticker. 
Um, this is, well, maybe this is a good time to look at Cortex because the shares have come right off, unfortunately, from more or less around the you know, period when the, the CEO, a new CEO was appointed, Richard Lillwall, which was back in July 21. The shares have sort of peaked around them as well. 485p they're now 151 pence and andy walters who i've previously met he was the founder of cortex uh he's coming stepping back into the company as executive chairman uh it's going to be supported by the cfo and the coo um to try and recover uh, operations in the company so probably uh you know given where the share price has got to now and that andy's coming back into the business probably a good time to look at cortex actually yeah. That's a good spot. I noticed, I mean, just quickly, I mean, you may want to give more, but there were a whole load yesterday, but they were all in line. There was uh, Quintic, whatever you've talked about in the past, Telecom Plus, Ironmark, all yeah. of those were in line, weren't they? Yeah, 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 they were indeed. Yeah, yeah. So that was, uh, that, so was that, quite... that covers them all off, unless you want to say something more? <laughs> uh, no, I do not. I do not think so. And the only other one that, uh, well, a couple of things actually in terms of companies uh, actually, you know, getting things happening corporately. Um, Hydrogen One, Capital Growth, uh, capital growth Fund, uh, yep. they had uh, one of their portfolio companies called Elcogen, which is in fuel cell technology, uh, has attracted investment, strategic investments of 45 million euros, Andrew, from Hyundai. Um, and this is to develop uh, it's for marine propulsion systems and stationary power generation, but it's hydrogen, uh, hydrogen powered. So I thought that was uh, pretty interesting. We also have this week an account uh, announcement from uh, one of our corporate clients, Equipmake. Uh, ticker is EQIP. Um, Equipmake, Norfolk based, about 100 million market cap, um, and they have proprietary electronic motor and inverter technology. And they announced a collaboration agreement with Perkins Engines. Now, Perkins Engines are one of the biggest manufacturers of diesel engines in the world. Uh, Perkins are owned by Caterpillar. Um, and this is to jointly develop a hybrid um, diesel electric uh, engine. And it's in collaboration with Loughborough University. Um, but what was really interesting about this is that this, this engine is going to be designed uh, to operate on zero carbon fuels such as hydrogen. Uh, but also biomethanol. Uh, bio so really, really interesting. Uh, it's attracted government funding as well, the project. I think there's about £3 million coming into this. Um, so I thought, very, yeah, and it's a 42-month uh, long project. So great verification, I think, for Equipmakes, uh, electrification uh, technologies, and, and what a partner to be working with. So very, very good news for them. I'll tell you what I spotted whilst you're flicking through your notes there today was... Gore Street Energy Fund. Yes. Um, and she put out a statement saying they couldn't understand why their share price has fallen off a cliff in the last few months. So if we just look back to say, I don't know, the summer or something, it's up at about £1.20, it's now down to 70p. Now, actually, we have been saying for quite a long time, or I certainly have, probably the last two years since we've been doing this, that one should be very careful of these. Uh, energy funds because the thing that's been worrying me all along has been I've said this many a time is that they they basically only put in lithium-ion batteries 
And the problem is, we all know that, first of all, those lithium-ion batteries aren't going to last that long, and they'll all have to be replaced, and I just don't think they've factored in the cost of that. In particular, they haven't factored in the cost of what I call the decommissioning of those lithium-ion batteries. You can't just throw away a lithium-ion battery. It costs to get rid of them. And I do wonder whether maybe one of the reasons, there's probably more to it as well, uh, that Gore Street Energy Fund is uh, currently um, having a lot of issues, shall we say, um, is because actually people are starting to work out that you can't just, you know, put in lithium-ion battery after lithium-ion battery after lithium-ion battery and not expect to put in some sort of decommissioning cost. Maybe I'm right, maybe I'm wrong, but it has come off very sharply. So, yeah, it has. So has Gresham House Energy Storage Funds. Yeah, I mean, they all have, because yeah. and that's what I'm saying. It, it looks yeah. as though it's suddenly people are saying, hang on a second, are these energy funds exactly what we think they are? And they've been telling us. And I'm saying, and we have said now for years, no, they're not. And they're not allowing for the, the degradation, basically, of their batteries. So just a thought, I could be wrong. If anybody's got any, by the way, clues on this and wants to correct me or give me a better reason, do, do email in. But I think that's, I think the market is starting to realise what we've been saying for years. Yeah. That's a very interesting um, thought. I mean, I, you know, just in terms of their response, um, they're saying that it's, Prices underrating the assets, um, operations exceeding expectations, international markets, they're spread across geographies, you know, allowed, that, that allows for sort of weather and variation. So, but that's what the management say, but I absolutely hear what you say, Andrew, too, about the, um, yeah, about the lifetime and the, the lifetime costs of this type of asset. So, I mean, the other interesting thing about it is, I mean, Goldstrom, I'm just looking at it now, theoretically yields 12%. Now, when something yields 12%, it normally doesn't yield 12%. Because otherwise, everyone would just be piling into it. It becomes a screaming buy. Now, again, I don't know. I haven't done enough research into these. I do know I met, I can't remember which fund it was. It was one of them. I met the MD of one a couple of years ago. Whatever, and I actually posed this question to him about the decommissioning. And he actually turned around and said, Andrew, I'll be long gone by then. So I'm really not worried about it. And I thought, hmm, that tells me I'm right. Um... It was really quite an extraordinary response, actually. Anyway, look, I think that um, probably I need to go away and do a little bit more work um, on this. Uh, I'd love to hear other people's thoughts, though. Yeah, well, that's a good point to end on, I think, this week, Andrew. Um, but, yeah, that's well worth looking further at, uh, at that because these are, you know, these are big funds that have been attracting a lot of money. Well, they're big funds and they like to keep raising more money, but it's very difficult when you've raised money at the higher levels to then come down at these levels um, to do that. So, yeah, look, it's interesting. I'll go off and do a bit more research. Right, okay, it's a nice short one for everybody this week because, um, yeah, we're all a bit battered and bruised in these markets. Um, but as usual, I hope you all enjoyed it. If you've got any comments, let us know. If you've got anything you want to talk about, let us know, etc., uh, etc., etc., etc. Thank you very much, and we'll be back next week. We will be. I look forward to chatting then, Andrew. This podcast has been produced and edited by VSA Capital. It is intended for information purposes and not as investment advice. The information is intended for recipients who understand the risks associated with equity investments in smaller companies. Please do your own research and do not rely on a single source when making an investment decision. 
BSA Capital may derive fees from this content and seeks to do business with the companies mentioned.